Welcome everyone. This is 20 Questions With, a podcast in collaboration in celebration of UPR's 20th anniversary this fall. My name is Charlotte Brun. I've been with the agency for a little over seven years right now and I'm in charge of the lifestyle department. Today we are talking to Anne Bogaerts, journalist of prominent lifestyle magazines such as the Standard Magazine, Sabato and Feeling Wona. She's also a design contributor and published author who just released a second book, Table Stories. Welcome, Anne. How are you? Hi, I'm very good. I'm very good. Thank you. I am really excited to turn the tables for once. So before we dive into the main questions, I thought we could just focus a little on you and your background and career path so far. So first, I'd like to ask, what did you study? Well, that's an interesting one to start with because I actually studied something totally different from what I'm doing now. I'm a biologist, so I studied human biology at the Antwerp University. So actually, I know everything about viruses, which comes in very handy these days. I knew you were the person to call. At university, I specialized in human behavior. And actually, that comes in very handy when you talk about lifestyle trends. So That's super interesting. So then what was your first job and how did you end up in interior design? The very first article of mine that was published was published in Knack magazine. Not Knack Weekend, but Knack. And it was about the evolutionary theory of Charles Darwin and, and how some religions still deny the theory today. So it's very serious business. It was very interesting to do, but for me, it was a bit too serious. I also got threatened by various religious sides, so I, it was a bit too much for me. So that was a time that I decided I wanted to write about subjects that were a bit more fun and more relaxing. And since I was very into interior design and fashion in my private life, I decided to test my luck there. And then very soon, I applied for a job at Stel Volwone, and I was able to start there, and that's where my career began. Oh, wow. My next question was going to be, what is something that no one knows about you? But I guess this is something that no one knows about yeah, you. Actually, the scientific background is something that not a lot of people know about. That's right. And so was that one of your hardest moments in your career then? Or did you have some other turning points? It was not really a hard time because I was really young and I had these endless possibilities. So I just wanted to try something else. I don't look back at it as being hard. The hardest moment in my career must have been around 2010, when it was not a good time to be at the offices of the Morgen. There was a crisis at the newspaper and a lot of people got fired. So the ambience back then was really poor and I had lost all faith and connections with the superiors. So it was then that I decided to become a freelance journalist and to become my own boss. There are still times of stress and frustration, but it's very addictive to work for your own company. It's a freedom that I cherish with all my heart now. So yeah, it were hard times, but I've learned for the good. I can imagine. So are there still things you find difficult in your field of work? Especially today, I feel that words and ideas are very volatile. So the added value of a journalist has become rather vague in times of influencers, trend watchers, brand strategists. I do feel that my opinion is very useful for a lot of companies and designers, but I'm a bit struggling to build a business model around it. I also have to make sure to maintain a very independent spirit because I think that is the essential part of being a journalist. 
so I have the great luxury being able to write for magazines that don't pose any restrictions on me regarding advertisement. So I don't write what you call sold stories because a certain brand advertises in a certain magazine. But since the rise of influencers, I often get the question if people can pay me to write a story, which of course is not possible. I get some little gifts from brands. And then as a journalist, I have to be very stubborn not to get influenced by it. So actually, I'm kind of an anti-influencer. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying really, really hard not to get influenced. It's really a, a new part of the job these recent years. So do you feel like now you are finally doing what you were meant to do? And, and when did that feeling first came about for you? Oh, that's a really hard question. Doing what you are meant to do. I, I think I'm very restless about my professional career. I want to do so many different things. So I love writing for my magazines and I find great joy in giving these tours in London. I'm so impatient to go back there. And then there's, of course, the, the writing of books like the new one, the table stories for Lanoi. It was a great experience as well. But then again, there are many other things I might try in the future. I'm looking into maybe starting my own trend agency one day or maybe leading a magazine. Who knows? I have this very long bucket list. So, for instance, if the fashion brand Essential wants to build an interior design department, I'm really hoping they call me. Yeah, I would love to do so many different things. So am I doing right now what I'm meant to be doing? Maybe, maybe not. I always think the best is yet to come. <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. And Essential, now it's out there. If yeah, you're hearing call this, <laughs> call Am. I just wanted to dive into the interior design sector because I feel like a lot has changed over the last years. When I started working at UPR seven years ago, there was no interior or design department. Now it's one of the fastest growing categories at our company. Similarly, I feel like the number of interior and design architecture specials in magazines have doubled. Is this a shift you have noticed as well? And how has it manifested in your work? Definitely, definitely. I've seen the shift in my magazines as well. For instance, when I started at the Morgan magazine in 2006, fashion was without any doubt the most important discipline in the magazine because it generated the most advertisements. The fashion editor was the most important editor at the office. And the past 10 years that has totally shifted. Now design editors are valued much higher since their input will generate the most advertising. So now the interior design special is a lot thicker than the fashion special. So I do feel that now we have a greater power in us than 10 years ago. So design is definitely the new fashion. There's no doubt about it. During the lockdowns this year, it was also very telling to me that home and garden centers were considered essential businesses in Belgium. Belgians are known for their quote-unquote backstain in the mag. Do you think this crisis has only shown that to be true or has it also made it even more true than before in the sense that people might have put the importance of a comfortable home above travel and other things? Ooh, that's a very delicate subject you're touching right there, the opening of the garden centers, because in the interior design scene, it was a big deal since those garden centers are also selling furniture. And it was very painful decision for dozens of design retailers in Belgium. But having said that, I can definitely confirm that a lot of interior design companies are delivering very good numbers these days. So they're doing a great job. Some companies are reporting sales going up from last year's. So there's definitely a 
boosts in renovation and decoration budgets. And those budgets come from the lost budgets of traveling, of course. Yes. In the past, the styles we have defined in this sector have always had a mainly architectural component. I think of classicism, modernism, brutalism, art deco. Whereas now I feel like the focus is shifting more towards interior design. Do you think that has to do with the fact that people are renovating more and building less? Yes, that's definitely true. But also, since the internet, inspiration is everywhere and trends and styles are much more scattered than they used to be. In the past, there was one leading trend. Now you have dozens of leading trends. Now it's easier to adapt your interior design. And of course, it's easier to do that than to change the architecture of, of your home. We will be building less and less in the future. That's obvious. So renovation will become more and more important. And personally, I think renovating is much more interesting than building your brand new house because the architecture will lead the way to your interior design and you just have to be able to read your house. And that's very interesting, I think. From a fellow renovator standpoint, I completely <laughs> agree. <laughs> Are there some aesthetics or trends you have seen consistently over the past couple of years? Yeah, obviously, after the minimalism of the 90s, then afterwards we have seen the huge Scandinavian style. Everybody was going Scandinavian. And then after the Scandinavian style, we have seen a burst in maximalism. Now I'm seeing kind of a natural minimalism where you have neutral shades, only a few decoration and very functional organic forms with a lot of natural materials giving some warmth to the interior. So it still is minimalistic, but it's not as clean as it was in the 90s. A lot of people are doing their own boho version of it with the dried pampas and the rotan furniture. And for me, all, all styles are perfect. When you, it's done good, I can savor every style there is. But a big frustration of mine is that a lot of people call their interior design timeless. For me, being timeless is the biggest bullshit on the industry. There is no such thing as a timeless interior design. The best designs in history were everything but timeless. If you think about the Penton chair or the Togo sofa, they were not timeless. So stop trying to be timeless i think it's it's really bullshit i think that leads perfectly into my next question how will you think people will define the design style of the early 21st century years from now and can we maybe coin a term for it in this interview just put it out there maybe natural minimalism I like that. I think that would be after the clean minimalism of the 90s, this is a wave of natural minimalism. It feels more natural. It looks more natural. And of course, you have this natural component of the materials and the mixing of the in and the outside, because what we have seen in this recent lockdown is how important the outside of our homes is. So maybe natural minimalism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And looking through Belgian magazines, we also see a growing group of very talented Belgian design brands and artisans coming up. Do you feel like this arising media attention for interior design has given more people the chance to create a profitable business from their talents? If by media attention you also count in social media, then yes, very much the internet that has facilitated young designers to build their own brand. Now they don't really need third person to build up their own brand, so they can just use a good website, good social media and create their own sales through a webshop or even through Instagram. 
So the old system of designers, producers, dealers, retailers, that chain is coming to an end. There is now a totally different approach to doing business in the design industry. And that's giving real potential to all the starting designers right now. One of this new way of, of doing business seems to me also collectible design. And when I look at our young designers, we seem to be especially strong in this domain. We also have the collectible fair. Do you think this is a Belgian specialty and that we stand particularly strong in this field? And why would that be? Yes, I think we are particularly strong in that domain. And I think for a part it is because Belgians are very rational very practical. So when we can combine artistic design that also fills this functional need, I think we welcome that. We like art, but we also like functional design. And when the two get mixed, it's a very Belgian thing to do. And then on the other end, Belgium has a great history in crafting and artisans. So we have a lot of good crafters and a lot of good artisans here and, and some good know-how and tradition. And that's essential for building up a collectible design industry. And so a final topic I want to touch on is sustainability. It's something the fashion industry has been struggling with for years. It feels like interior might potentially be an even more polluting sector if, we, if it becomes as popular as fashion and we start to consume it in the same way. Do you think we will avoid this because we entered later in the game and can start from a platform with more awareness and better technologies? I think we have to be very careful not to go the fashion way here, that we don't start consuming interior design as we do fashion. And a lot has to do with the image and the perspective. We buy a sofa to serve us for approximately 10 to even 30 years. That image has to stay. That's a totally different feeling from buying a t-shirt, wearing it just one season. The image of buying interior design has to become a very sustainable one, has to stay a very sustainable one. The production in interior design, I feel, is much more transparent too. And if I know exactly how my table has been made, I won't replace it as easily as I would do with my t-shirt from one of the big brands. So when I do change furniture, the road to, for instance, the Kringloopwinkel or a secondhand website is a very obvious one. We all do it. We all go to those places. So the system is very much adapted to keep interior design in a very sustainable way. So I think we have to make sure it stays there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what do you think our role of PR and journalist could be to obtain this? I'm trying to give the message that good design has a price. There is no shame in saving up to buy a really good piece. Me, for instance, right now, I'm saving to buy a Müller van Sevre cabinet and it will take me another few months <laughs> to raise the money, but it will be worth the wait. And I hope that when I get it, it will become kind of a family piece and maybe my children will be able to enjoy it later on. So I think that in my message, I have to be clear that it's important to emotionally attach to an object. Instead of wanting more and more and wanting it right now, you have to have this emotional bond with the things you put around you in your house. And that way, sustainability comes naturally. I really like this thought of raising the money for a piece that you really like. So you have this anticipation and you actively build up to it. For instance, when I, I'm saving up for something, I'm not hanging or putting something else there. 
Mm-hmm. It's just the empty space. So every day when I get up, I see this empty space and I know that there is something really exciting going to happen there and that it's worth saving for. I think that's a very good tactic. Would I place a really cheap cabinet there? It might be there for another 30 years and I don't want to risk that. I think that's a really, really nice way to go about it. So what kind of stories would you like to write more of? After being in the profession for almost 20 years is that my best stories are the ones where I can describe a personal experience to my readers. So when I have experienced something or I've been at a certain place, then the words come very naturally. For instance, when I'm at Salone del Mobile, the most important interior design furniture fair in Milan, I'm always so inspired. And when I come home, then I can't stop writing. The pages just flow out of my computer. It's really, really inspiring. I love the real reporting. That's a part of my job that I really love. So uh, my fingers are crossed that I can go back to Milan very soon. But in the meantime, there are other experiences I can write about. For instance, there will be a story in Sabato magazine really soon about me having a vampire facial, just like Kim Kardashian. That was really exciting and it's really funny. Experience storing the really reporting, that's something that I would like to do more of in the future. Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah. <laughs> How do you look to the future in your industry? So if you're talking about the interiors design industry, I'm very positive it will have a bright future ahead. If the current lockdowns have learned us anything, it's that there is no better feeling than to feel totally at ease in your own home. So I am expecting a new wave of cocooning in the following years. We will draw back in our own homes and try to create some really cozy environment for us and for our family. So I think for the interior design industry, there will be heydays. If you're talking about the design journalist's future, I'm not so sure because I've seen over the past two to three years that a lot of colleagues are throwing in the towel. So there are not so many left of us. So I'm a bit uh, looking to other disciplines, as I told you earlier, to see what other things I can do. Because, yeah, it's getting more and more difficult to earn a wage as a design journalist. That's definitely true. So what is the biggest lesson you've learned over the past years? Personally, it's such a big cliche, but I have actually stopped trying to be good in everything. So, for instance, I'm really terrible when it comes to all the household chores. I'm a terrible uh, cleaner, washer, ironing. Oh, I hate it and I'm really bad at it. So I've learned to outsource that to others. And on the other hand, I love being a mom and picking up my children at school and listening to their stories and helping with their homework. So I have uh, managed to find time to do so and that means I work very late in the evenings even at nights and that's a price I'm willing to pay and then professionally it's the same thing I'm focusing on the things I really love to do so I can say today that I only write the stories I want to tell readers and that's a really really good feeling to close off some rapid fire questions are you ready mm-hmm. modernism or brutalism Modernism, because I'm in a modernist home myself. Art Nouveau or Art Deco? Art Deco. Colors or Belgian beige? Oh, definitely colors. More colors. Long reads or trend pages? That's a difficult one. I think trend pages with some good long reads in between. (laughs) (laughs) Books or social media? Mm, Books. TikTok or Twitter? Here I have to follow my daughter. Uh, TikTok. 
podcast or YouTube? Podcast, definitely. And then finally, cinnamon rolls or brownies? Ah, the Arquette cinnamon roll. <laughs> Three times a day. <laughs> yes, one time and you're full for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right, so that was it. Thank you very much. I really hope we will be able to see each other soon without a screen. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Bye.